Welcome to the 68th episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I am your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition of the podcast, we will talk about Major League Baseball and go over some random, assorted, important news in the world of sports. Let's jump right in with a look at Major League Baseball, starting with the National League East. In the NL East, we have the Phillies with the same lead, actually, that they did la- ha- that they had at the end of last week. Uh, well, that they had built it by the end of last week, up a half a game on the Mets. They are one game in front of the Braves, the Phillies at 60-55, and 55, the Mets at 59-55, and 55, so only a game back in the win column, not actually too bad. The Braves at 59-56, and 56, so just a regular game back. Then you have Washington at 50-65, and 65, 10 games back, and the Marlins at 48-67, and 67, 12 games back in this division. Uh, overall, pretty much the same stuff as last week, except for... Uh, the Phillies really were cruising until they ran into the Dodgers. They're eight and two in their last ten. However, they're only and but they've lost. They've won only their last game, losing two out of those ten games. The two losses to the Dodgers. So it's very interesting that uh, that Philly is in first place here. I mean, obviously they had to make a huge run to get here, but they did. They closed the gap very very quickly. The Mets not too hot. On the other hand, four and six in their last ten. And that has also allowed the Braves to catch up at 7-3 and three in their last 10 to only be a game back. They were in the same position as the Phillies. But if you look at the last 10 games, Braves go 7-3, and three, so they're one back of the team that goes 8-2, and two, and the Mets lose that lead by going 4-6. and six. So very interesting uh, what's happening in the NL East, although I, I think this race will be a continued race of three not mediocre teams, but just good teams. There are no great teams in this division, and I think we'll continue to see this kind of a thing in the race for the rest of the year. Yeah, agree with you. Um, and maybe my pick, I think I picked the Braves um, to win the division. We did midseason repicks, and it was looking really bad when Acuna got hurt. But And then they still were not able to find their way above 500 multiple times, or even to 500 yep. multiple times finally, in the rest of the season. Finally got there and playing good baseball. And, and it's funny, as soon as they get to 500, they haven't fallen back below it. So it's very, it's very the Braves are a very weird team this year. Like you said, going to be a three-team race all the way through the end uh, in this division. So shall we move to the Central? Although I would, you do say it could be a three-team race all the way to the end. I wouldn't be surprised if the Mets, the way they're playing drop out of this race entirely considering that all of their next 13 games are against the Dodgers and the Giants. Yeah, and so, they've got some pitching tro- injury troubles. That's I true. mean, and DeGrom is now out for an extra two weeks, so, I mean, I'd say there's a real possibility that they get that they go 3-10 and 10 in those games. I mean, they're playing really, really good teams, and they're both desperate to beat each other in that division. So there's a very big chance that they don't that they aren't able to win any of those games really, and uh, if they're if they go three and ten, I mean the Phillies just have to go just five hundred in that stretch, probably you know seven and seven in that stretch or six and six, however many games they play, and all of a sudden their lead is about three four games. So it is really possible that the Mets could drop out of this race because the Phillies have already played all their games against the Dodgers, and I'm pretty sure the Braves have too. Although they might have some games left against the Giants, both of them. Yes, definitely a critical stretch here coming up for the Mets in this race. Shall we move to the Central? All right, let's move over to the NL Central. In the NL Central, the Milwaukee Brewers are in first place at 70-46. and 46. They're eight games ahead of the Reds, who are at 62-54. and 54. The Brewers going 7-3 and three in their last 10. Uh, the Reds going 6-4, and four, so... Really, I mean, the the Reds can't catch them playing six and four every ten games. To be quite honest, because if you look at the whole season, Milwaukee is seventy and forty six, about a little bit over a hundred games in, and that's pretty much 
seven and four in each eleven games, you could say. So six and four every ten isn't going to catch up to them if they just keep on the pace they've been for the whole season. And frankly, their start to the season wasn't even that good. They were much much below this kind of a pace. So I don't know how the Reds are really going to catch up here. They're probably looking towards the wild card at this point, uh, which is a tall task in and of itself. Then you have the St. Louis Cardinals at 58 and 56, 11 games back. They've won three in a row. They're also six and four in their last 10. Then you have the Cubs and the Pirates. The Cubs 18 and a half games back. The Pirates 28 and a half games back. The Cubs have lost eight in a row and are one and nine in their last 10. And the Pirates have lost eight in a row and are one and nine in their last 10. The Cubs, I bet at the start of the season, did not expect to be in the elite company that is the Pittsburgh Pirates at the bottom of the NL Central. Uh, This is, I mean, this team just isn't very good. I think there's no other way of putting it. They are in the same bracket that the Pirates are in terms of teams right now. They're not even on the Rockies level. They're not on the Marlins level. I don't take them as a team that will take a game in every series but lose every series. I take them as a team that gets swept by any good teams. That's what they are at this point. Uh, the Marlins, I'd say, at least can take a game as they pretty much have the whole season. And maybe even surprise some people take a series here and there, but the Cubs aren't good enough to do that anymore. I mean, this is this is just a team that will lose every single series that's not against under 500 teams at this point. Yeah, they just didn't sell at the deadline. They dumped and fire sailed. And it's really weird because, if you remember, we were at podcast maybe a month, month and a half ago. We were talking about, in anticipation of the, before the All-Star break, the tra- trade deadline, what teams on the fence about being buyer sellers and the Cubs really had a had a a very downward down week and we basically said it looks like they might be sellers and that week has caused them to go from you know a decent team to a triple A team. Well, they were on the fence before that week even, but I think the trend that week was not about it was not about the fact that they had a bad week because they didn't really have too bad of a week. I think the problem was actually the fact that they were playing the Diamondbacks and couldn't at and lost a series to the Diamondbacks. Actually, two in the same week and a half, I think. Uh, so you lose two series to the Diamondbacks in a week and a half span. I don't think you're gonna your front office is gonna hold it together because look at the Dodgers and the Giants. They've lost. I mean, they've lost three games against them all season, maybe. So I, I don't think that's enough to have your front office keep it together. And then also they didn't. I think they also played somebody in the division, probably the Brewers, maybe the Reds. I think. Or the Cardinals that way? Yeah, it was the Cardinals that they yes. lost two out of three to also. And it's, I mean, you, you lose to the Cardinals, you lose to the Diamondbacks, you lose to the Diamondbacks again. It's not, th- who, why would they keep it together for you? What, yeah. What's the point in that? Correct. I, I'm not faulting their decision, but it, it's amazing how the mighty have fallen. People, many people picked them to win the division this year. Then again, their starting pitching was, was rocky from the start, but... Their offensive talent is just completely gone. Yeah, but very underperforming too. But uh, yeah, I mean the Bre- <laughs> yeah the Brewers this whole week killed the Cubs, and I think uh, we'll actually get to this later because I have a little segment on that's that's pretty much focused around that series. But they, the Cubs just don't look like they can compete with anybody at this point anymore. I haven't. I mean, what they've played the White Sox and then the Brewers, so. We'll have to see them against some of the the lower-level teams, maybe against the Cardinals soon again, uh, maybe against the Pirates at some point, because I don't really know who this team is going to beat at this point. Yeah, clearly outclassed in their most most recent series against the Brewers and the White Sox. All right, let's move over to the National League West. In the NL West, we have the same standings as it's been for a while now. We have the Giants at the top, the Dodgers in second, Padres in third, Rockies in fourth, Diamondbacks in fifth. Diamondbacks now 38.5 games back, Rockies 23 games back. 
The San Diego Padres are nine games back, and I want to point that out for for a reason, but I'll, I'll, I'll finish this first. The Dodgers are now five games back. The Dodgers really can't catch a break. I mean, Avisael Garcia is the reason why they didn't stay even last week, even with a much harder schedule than what the— well, pretty much an even schedule, actually, when you look at it in, in terms of what they had and what the Giants had. Uh, seven and three in their last ten. Giants eight and two in their last ten, including a five-game winning streak. The first game of that winning streak was because of VCL Garcia dropped a very routine fly ball in the out. Well, actually, he didn't drop it. He just completely missed the ball. Uh, and then that game went in extra innings. Then they lost the in extra innings. The twenty-seventh out of the game. Third out of the ninth inning. Yeah. So uh, it, it. Yeah. It would have. They. I mean, maybe they'd still be on a four-game winning streak, but. That being five instead of four is a big deal, especially for the Dodgers. But what is up with the Padres? I mean, the schedule they're playing, they played 21 out of 24 games. They had a point, I think it was, I think Monday of this week. Their next, out of their next 24, 21 of the 24 were against losing record teams. The three that they had against winning record teams were against the A's, and they lost two out of three there. But how do you fall a, a, a game and a half back when the Giants are playing... The Brewers, and I, I mean, yes, they played the Diamondbacks, to be fair, but they played the Brewers and the Diamondbacks. The Dodgers played the Astros and uh, and the Phillies. How do you fall a game and a half behind the Giants when they're doing that? And since you did, how are you going to get back into this race? I, I, I'm starting to think, I'm not starting to think, I've been thinking this for a while and I've been saying this for a while. I don't think this team has any chance to win this division. I don't think there there is zero chance. It, they have not made enough of their schedule. Uh, and we'll t- and we'll get it into it in the later segment. They had a pretty bad result that is pretty telling about their team uh, against actually against actually the Diamondbacks this this week. And by the way, the Giants have five combined losses against the Rockies and Diamondbacks combined. The Padres have five against the Diamondbacks alone this season and still have six games to play. So they got to start with taking care of their business against the worst teams. Then they should build up to beating the good teams. And then they got to figure out a way to sweep, pretty much sweep the Giants multiple times in a row when it comes to the end of the season when they're playing them. So I don't know what the Padres can do to get back in this division. Uh, the Dodgers are still in a 97-win pace, which would actually be, out of the eight division titles that the Dodgers have won in a row, would actually be probably right on average for the amount of wins that they've been getting. They had a few titles at 91, 92 wins, actually three of them, but then they also had... Two two titles at uh, or two division titles at 105 wins and above, and then pretty much everything in between. So 97 in any other year would have still won them the division, but this year they just are dealing with a different animal at the top of the division. The Giants are just, I mean, they have the best record in the league. The Dodgers haven't had to deal with having the best record in their in their division this entire this entire run of all these divisions in of all these divisional titles in a row. So I don't I don't. I'm not saying that the Dodgers are out of this race, but I don't think that it would be entirely too surprising if they lost it, and I don't think that it means that this is a bad Dodgers team or an underachieving Dodgers team. I think they just have a really good team at the top of the division, that being the Giants. And by the way, the Giants won the World Series twice in the span that the Dodgers have won every single division title, so who's to say the Dodgers can't do it, can't pay them back a favor? Yeah, and again, we've ta- harped on it, especially if the Dodgers get healthy. But it's tough to, to talking about the Padres, also goes to the Dodgers, you mentioned, it's tough to gain ground on the division leader when they're going eight and two. I mean, the Padres should be better than six and four against the record they have. Yeah. But Dodgers are playing six hundred baseball, 
and they are on a pace to uh, they're on a pace as you said to win 97 games. They play 700 baseball. The last 10 games, they lose a game to the Giants. Well, but playing seven and three, you expect to stay even, lose a game on a division winner. But when you have that schedule, and, and with the Dodgers' schedule, I would say that was a pretty decent performance. Yeah. But when you have what the Padres have, you need to be better than six and four if they have any chance. I mean, it's just th- their schedule is too easy for them to be doing that. It's just not good enough. So, agreed. Shall we move over to the American League? Let's start in the East. In the AL East, uh, we have the Tampa Bay Rays really opening up this lead. Now, I was really surprised. I wasn't paying attention too much to what was going on with them this week. And then when I looked at what their division lead was, I was really, really surprised. 70-45, and 45, second best record in baseball, one game ahead of the Dodgers and uh, a half game in front of the Brewers. They're five games up on Boston now. Boston is at 66-51. and 51. They're five games back of the Rays. They're only two games ahead of the Yankees, and they're only two and a half games ahead of the Blue Jays. That would be falling out of the wild card spot. They're not very far away from that. They're now in the second wild card spot actually already. The Yankees are two games back of the final wild card spot, and two weeks ago it looked like the Red Sox were doing pretty well in this division, not necessarily cruising to the win, but definitely going to be a playoff team. And now, I mean, look, there's only a two... There's only a two-and-a-half game difference of them being two teams out of the playoffs. So it is really, really possible that they can that they could slip up in the rest of the season. And by the way, 3-7 and seven in their last 10. Lost a series against the Tigers. Uh, the Yankees, meanwhile, playing a tough schedule. They played the White Sox. They, they had a very important series with the Mariners that I believe they took three out of four in at the end of last week. Uh, and the Mariners obviously contending for wild card t- spot too, so a team that was definitely motivated to try to get a win there. Uh, it's really, really interesting that that the Red Sox are falling this far behind. And by the way, if the Yankees get to play them again soon, and they're still, I, I don't know exactly the next time they play them, but if they're playing them soon, they are not, I don't think they're playing well enough to beat the Yankees with how well they're playing. So it's really, really possible that the Red Sox could end up on the outside looking in by the end of of the season. Uh, and by the way, the Blue Jays, we talked about how well they were playing at home. They also won a series against the Red Sox. So, I mean, and they're seven and three in their last 10. So are the Yankees. So are the Rays. Red Sox three and seven. Uh, and bottom of the division, obviously, the Orioles lost eight in a row, one and nine in their last 10. But, I mean, what are you going to do if you're Boston? Yeah, you've got to right the ship quickly. But as you've said, you love to look at your run differential stats and it really, the run differential all along, kind of Boston was overachieving and Toronto was underachieving, and maybe it's starting to balance it out. Although the Yankees have gained the same amount of ground as the Blue Jays, though, and they have the worst run differential of anybody in this division that's not the Baltimore Orioles, which is pretty hard to have a worse run differential than, I think. Actually, no, they have the worst at this point. Oh, no, 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 the Pirates do. Sorry. Uh, but, yeah, it's pretty hard to have a worse run differential than the Orioles, so the fact that the Yankees are fourth in that department in this division is pretty bad, and also... They've only scored 19 more runs than the Orioles this entire season. Think of the lineup they have and the fact that they only have have scored 19 more runs than the Orioles have. That's It's crazy. They're 100 behind the Blue Jays and 100 behind the Rays. Uh, and uh, But honestly, their pitching has been surprisingly better than I thought, actually allowing less runs than the Rays. So it's very, very interesting uh, overall this season. Very, very odd one for the Yankees. But by the way, I want to talk about the Field of Dreams game when we get to the AL Central to talk about what it means for the White Sox. But Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton in the ninth inning in the Field of Dreams game, you probably didn't know this, 
That was the first time that they have hit a home run in the same game as each other. That is the first wow, time since they they've been the teammates in 2018. I thought you were going to say the same inning. Same no, game. 2018. They've wow. been together all the way since then. Both of them have had 50 home run seasons, and this was the first time they both did it in a game. Spoiler alert, they still lost the game. Yeah, well, we're going to get to that. I mean, we're talking about the White Sox, and maybe we transition over there because I was going to comment that the Blue Jays, their run differential at plus 129, and they're in fourth place in that division. It, it, it The really telling fact is that's one run run differential different than the Chicago White Sox who are running away with the Central. So maybe we talk about the Central. Yeah, we should talk about the Central. Chicago White Sox, 68-48 and 48 at the top of this division. Uh, only 6-4 and four in their last 10, which, I mean, honestly, if they stay on that pace for the rest of the year, I don't think anybody's beating them in that division because they have an 11-and-a-half game lead on second place. Oh, and by the way, second place, the Detroit Tigers at 57-60. and 60. Um, By the way, the Tigers have scored more than the Yankees have this year. Uh, just goes to let you know, just goes to show you, look... When, we're, when people were talking about the concerns with the Yankees, they are legitimate. They have less runs scored than the Detroit Tigers, who I'm pretty sure have used more roster, more guys on their roster that have not... I, I'm pretty sure their entire roster combined in a game has at some point had less games under their belt than just Aaron Judge alone. So, I, I mean, it, it's really astonishing. And also, Cleveland is now at the same games back tied with the Tigers... Uh, at 55 and 58, they play a series this weekend for control of second place, which shouldn't even be a thing at all because the Tigers should be way far behind the Indians. But it just goes to show you, they might be arriving really, really early. This could be a, te- a really good team as soon as next year. They're seven and three in their last ten. The Indians three and seven, uh, three game losing streak for them, three game winning streak for the Tigers. Then the Twins at 50 and 65, 17 and a half games back. The Royals at 49 and 64, 17 and a half games back. But going back to the Tigers again, the Angel. I mean, there are so many teams here that have spent so much money and thought that they were going to be contenders. To have the Tigers in front of you, how do you think that feels if you're the Cubs when you see the Tigers are better than you in the standings by multiple games? When you're the Indians and you see that they're tied with you, uh, even when you're even when you're uh, when you're the Angels and they're within a game and a half of you, I mean. It must look awful for them. Like, how, how do you justify that as a franchise that, by the way, the Nationals, too, are a good example of that. I mean, there are so many teams where, I mean, seeing the Tigers here must just be demoralizing for some of those teams. Yeah, and then again, seeing the Oakland A's uh, do what they've done over the years without spending money is probably demoralizing, too. Although although they have the reputation of doing it, and while they're not spending that much money, they do have a lot of veterans on their team. They're not playing mostly prospects, which the Tigers are. The Tigers are playing a lot of young guys, a lot of prospects, and then Miguel Cabrera. Yeah, well, and Miguel Cabrera giving a little bit of... Re- maybe people thought he was the only reason Tiger fans would be going to the ballpark this summer to see people to see him catch some milestones. But as you said, the young talent has shown up. Exciting, uh, hitting the lineup, youngsters. They've got some good pitching prospects. Had a few injuries. It's a team on the rise. Although, by the way, bold, bold, not so bold prediction. I think Miguel Cabrera gets his gets his 500th home run of his career this week. Reason why? Because he has 499. So, am I betting on him to hit one home run in a week? Absolutely. All right. Well, we'll, we'll look out for that one. Uh, let's move over to the American League West. In the AL West, we have the Houston Astros at the top, 68 and 46. They have won two in a row, but they are four and six in their last ten, and their lead is actually slipping out of their hands a little bit. The A is in second at 67 and 48, so only two games back in the loss column and one only one in the win column. 
at one and a half games back, have won seven in a row very, very quietly, I must add, uh, because I had no idea that they were on a winning streak. I had heard nothing about this. Probably goes to say, just, I mean, you look at the scoreboard every day and you just kind of, maybe you don't look at how teams are trending and you don't remember it from yesterday, but I mean, when teams get on this much of a winning streak, you'd expect it to be covered more, but a lot of talk I'm hearing is about the White Sox and the Yankees. Maybe part of that is the Field of Dreams game. Uh, a lot of talk about how bad the Cubs are, although, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I've spent a lot of time on that myself, so, I mean, I, I can't really blame anybody else. But 8-2 and two in their last 10, seven games, one in a row. Uh, they're only one and a half games back. I said last week that I thought that the Astros were probably going to continue to run away with this division, but it, it looks like it's actually tightening up again. But probably just as we say that, look again next week, and it'll be four or five games of a difference. So uh, we'll see what has to ha- what what happens there. Yeah, then you have the Mariners at sixty-one and fifty-five, eight games back. Very quickly losing their their uh, their chances at a wild card spot. To be quite honest, I don't see I don't see how that roster with what they did or well the lack of stuff they did at the trade deadline is going to compete with. The Yankees, the Blue Jays, with the A's who are currently in the first spot in the wild card. So I'd say if you just lock in the A's to the first spot, I don't see the Mariners winning a three-team race, winning a four-team race of them, the Red Sox, the Yankees, and the Blue Jays. It would be very, 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 very tough for them to do that, especially considering that they do have two teams above them in their division who are both competing heavily. It's not like a team in the Central who's not really playing against anybody other than the White Sox. They, they have too many teams to go through. Then you have the Angels sitting at 11 games back, 58 and 58. Another disappointing season for the Angels, but at this point, is it really disappointing or is it just what you expect? Yeah, what uh, you expect. And by the way, Mike Trout's still being held out. They really don't know when he's coming back. He could literally be activated from the 60-day IL the second I upload this. He could, be up, he could be put on the roster right now. He could be put on it in two days. He could be put on it in two weeks. It's really nobody really knows what's going on with his injury, but I, I, I'm I'm betting that they're going to be taking it careful for the rest of the season because there is no point in returning him to this team. It does not have much hope to make the playoffs, so there's no point in rushing him back and getting him a long term injury. You got you got to make sure that the best player in baseball is healthy. Uh, but still six and four in their last ten. Did not win that series against the Dodgers though. Then you have the Rangers forty and seventy five, twenty eight and a half games back. Losing two in a row, so not quite the eight in a row that all the other really, really, really bad teams have had, but still two and eight in their last ten. So the AL West should be an interesting race, though. Now that the now that the A's are kind of getting into form again, and the Astros are uh, slumping a little bit. Yeah, division's a lot more competitive than we thought it was going to be. It looked like the Astros were pulling away, and uh, one again, what a difference one week makes. Uh, and by the way, in terms of all the AL. I think when you look at this landscape, there's a lot of things that all the teams bring you, and there's a lot of things that none of the teams do, and uh, a lot that only some of them do. The White Sox are really out to prove, I think, this weekend that they can be placed in the category with teams like the Astros, because I think we, we, we have the stigma about the White Sox just because of the franchise success that there is no way they can be on par with the Astros, even though the Astros have a better record than them by two games in the loss column. The Astros are still heavy title favorites. Most people you ask will say that the Astros are better. But, it, it, I mean, the White Sox need to beat some teams above 500 to start having teams, having other people think that they're a serious contender. And maybe beating the Yankees this week could be the start of, could, or this weekend, I should say, could be the start of that. But, by the way, that Field of Dreams game, game of the year, easily. Yeah, I, want, I, want, I wanted to make sure we circled back and talked a, a little bit about it. 
Um, they obviously the White Sox started off uh, the week with beating the Yankees in that Field of Dreams game. But what you, uh, you could talk a not started about off the week. It pretty much ended no, that weekend. The weekend yeah. series with the Yankees yeah. you were talking about. Sorry, but and have you, a weird off day in the middle of the series today. So I, I don't want to be I don't want to be the guy who reads the box score and the play by play. But it was great before the ninth inning drama. Just the ambiance and the setting and just it was it was. You know, sometimes uh, baseball does things not so well, and sometimes they do things very well. This was perfect. This this thing, I'm assuming they're going to do it every year, but it was just kind of a perfect special environment that only baseball can have. Um, but then the late game, late inning heroics, if you want to talk a little bit about it, you talked about the dual home runs and then um, the, the, the White Sox. They need to do this only once a year, though, and oh, yeah, I think they year, and I year. don't think that they can bring random teams across the country to do it. I don't think. For example, to be quite honest, I don't think the Dodgers should ever be playing in this unless they're playing the Cardinals or the Cubs and they decide to bring the other Chicago team there. Uh, I think we talked about this a lot off the podcast of if they want to do it another year, don't do the same teams. Just get a three-team rotation of Chicago, Chicago, (laughs) and then St. Louis, and maybe I guess there could be maybe mm, not not really any other close team. I mean, maybe Cincinnati or Cleveland, too. Uh, but any close teams geographically to Iowa, yeah, Kansas City, yeah, exactly, and just say that those teams are are in a five team rotation, and then whoever's playing them on the road uh, just maybe gets the draw of playing there one year, and maybe you do it, and maybe you just hope to do it with teams, big, 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 big teams like the Yankees don't play the White Sox too much, the Dodgers don't play the Cubs too much, but maybe when they do, you say, all right, let's bring the let's bring the Dodgers to the Field of Dreams. Uh, I'd be interested to see the Dodgers in some throwback uniforms because I don't think they've ever worn any throwback uniforms ever. Old so, uniforms, yeah. yeah, it'd be pretty cool to see that. Maybe so. they treat it like the Thanksgiving game in football where you've got exactly. a couple teams. Who are always in it every year and then just yeah. kind of mix up who they're playing against. That, yeah, that'd be, that'd be a nice little I think it would be interesting. But, yeah, moving on to the game, we can talk about the heroics. We could talk about the heroics really quickly, but I do want to talk about some bigger things with these teams. But... In terms of the heroics, yeah, you had a seven and you had a seven to three lead going into the ninth. You thought the game was over. Liam Hendricks coming in. I actually said, yeah, I actually said that Liam Hendricks shouldn't even be in the game because four runs is too much to have your closer in. Uh, boy, was I wrong. You got Aaron Judge well, hitting you were an right. opposite. He shouldn't have been in the game, as it turned out. Well, yeah, but okay, well, that's that's debatable. But uh, he. You get Aaron Judge hitting an opposite field home run, two run home run to make it a one run game to make it seven to six. Uh, and then you have, and then you have Giancarlo Stanton barely pulling a, a breaking ball over the left field wall uh, to make it to get to get them the lead. So uh, you thought the Yankees were going to win it, and uh, we both weren't paying attention to the IL and the uh, injury reports. Aroldis Chapman was not available, uh, so instead you have Zach Britton who. Yeah, he had 47 saves a few years ago, but that was also the year that Chris Davis, who has now retired, hit 47 home runs for the Orioles. So that Orioles team is a long is a long gone memory, and Zach Britton is not the same Zach Britton. He comes into the game. They hit a foul ball that maybe could have been charged a little bit faster to keep it fair and get Sebi Zavala out, and then they don't get him out, and after a 1-2 pitch, ball, 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 walk, Tim Anderson comes up, first pitch. Tim Anderson said, I'm looking to do something dope. That was it. Those were his exact words on what he was looking for in the at-bat. What does he do? He hits a walk-off home run opposite field, farther than Aaron Judge hit it, farther than Giancarlo Stanton hit it, 
probably the farthest home run of that night. Maybe Aaron Judge's first home yeah, run, because Aaron by the way, he did hit bomb. two. Yeah, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe just under that one. But also, no Statcast data for that game, which is a little upsetting because I at least thought that they might not show it on the broadcast, but they might have it. Uh, also because I kind of wanted to see the umpire scorecard because that umpire did not look like he was having his best game. Uh, so kind of wanted to see that, but unfortunately no stat cast data from that game. Uh, maybe some of the home run data was a, re- was a replay to see whether I don't remember who the White Sox outfielder was. Leori Garcia. Was, it looked yeah. like he jumped. No, he hit, did jump into the wall. He yeah. Jumped he jumped his head on the padding. Yeah. He wall, jumped and hit his head. And by the way, this is the one thing that people always forget is that, yeah, in some, in some cases, the dimensions of a baseball field make it so that there is a different, uh, there is a huge difference between playing in one stadium versus the next. But also the type of wall is different. I mean, if you're jumping at Dodger Stadium in right field, you're jumping on like a five foot tall wall in right field. If you're jumping at, at San Francisco, you're jumping at a twenty foot wall. So I think Leori did not under did not know did not because by the way he actually came in as a defensive replacement too. He wasn't even in the whole game because. Luis Roberts just coming off the IL, and Eloy Jimenez, same for him. So pretty sure I forget which one of the two was replaced, but one of them was replaced. So they had to they, they had to figure out the injury replacement there. Uh, they didn't want him out there for defense after they had locked up the big lead. Uh, I just don't think he knew where the wall. I just didn't think he knew the shape of the wall, and he got under it and didn't realize that there was a little bit of a a, a an little inset. yeah an, an inset, inset on the wall. Yeah, the edges, exactly. So Jump up and you could get caught. Your head could get caught on the ledge yeah. of the of the padding. And he got caught under the wall. And I and as I said to you, I think he could have just even just stood up and caught it. I, I don't even so think too. he needed to jump. So, so it's very interesting. Uh, but we talked about our oldest Chapman not being in and Zach, and, uh, and Zach Britton being in instead. What about the trade deadline move to get Andrew Heaney? Because let let's talk about this for a second. Andrew Heaney in these last three games and his only three games actually with the Yankees, um, it's really not been very good. He has in 15 innings of work given up 15 hits, 15 runs, 15 earned runs, eight home runs. That is really, really bad. That is not a good move uh, by the Yankees. I mean, I guess they're just trying to get a guy who can eat innings, but a nine ERA from a starter. I mean, at that point, you'd rather just have a bullpen game than have a guy who has a nine, a nine ERA. And by the way, in the first game against Baltimore, he gave up four home runs and I think five at bats to Baltimore a few weeks ago. He only gave up one against the Mariners and the Yankees actually came back and won that game. Uh, he, he did a good job after the beginning of the game, after giving up a bunch of runs in the first and second inning, I believe. And then after giving up four runs, he, he kind of brought it together. And then they mounted a really late rally to come back from, I think, a four-run deficit, maybe a three-run deficit, to win 5-4. to four. But then this game, he gives up seven runs on three home runs. It, it's just, I don't know I don't know what they're going to do with Andrew Heaney because at this point, is it even worth moving him into the bullpen and hoping he gets back? I don't think it is worth it at this point. Uh, I think you pray that Luis Severino comes back as early as possible. And maybe instead of having Luis Heel coming up on random starts as injury replacements, maybe you just bring him onto the roster because there is no point in the Yankees holding back from using prospects who can play. They're supposed to be a contending team. So I think they have a few alternatives that they should be looking at. And I don't know why. I, I, yeah, I don't know what's going on with them right now. But uh, 
I, they got to figure out something with Andrew Heaney, and I, I don't I don't think that was a good move. And I, I really think they could have gone for somebody more steady who didn't have a 5 ERA even before the trade deadline, like a Tyler Anderson, uh, or even going after a guy like Danny Duffy, who the Dodgers honestly did not give up that much for. I, I think they easily could have made a move there. Yeah, not a trade that worked out very well. Let's just leave it at that. Okay, well, that wraps up our look at Major League Baseball. Let's move on to some random, assorted, important news in the world of sports. Actually, not really in the world of sports, pretty much just in the MLB world. I probably We probably could have specified that, but it's okay. Uh, let's start with Corbin Burns, who tied an MLB record that was previously held, actually previously tied this year, by Aaron Nola, uh, and then also held for, I think, 40-some-odd years before then without being really anybody getting near it except for DeGrom like three times earlier this year. Uh, of 10 straight strikeouts... He ended with 15 strikeouts and no walks in the game. So Corbin Burns, pretty great game for him, and we'll get on to what what happened with that team with the team in the game in a little bit later. Uh, actually, we'll get to it pretty soon. This was one of the weirdest weeks I have seen. Just peeking at scoreboards here, and they're not really watching games everywhere in the league. Uh, obviously mainly watching the Dodgers because we're Dodgers fans, uh, and also because the Dodgers were on the East Coast. It wasn't like they were three hours later than all the other games they were on at the same time, so really was not watching too many other games, although I've been, I obviously am definitely paying attention to the rest of the league. Uh, but very, very interesting week, and it, the lopsided scores are the things that stand out this week. 11 different games this week were 8-plus run blowouts by the team who won, with many other seven-run games, might I add. There was an 8-1 Dodgers game. There was a 7-0 Giants game. So it wasn't just eight-run blowouts that were the only ones. I have no explanation for why this is happening, by the way. I don't really have a hypothesis for this, although there might be some kind of a reason that somebody could find out, but I don't know what that reason is. Um, let's start on Saturday. The Reds beat the Pirates 11-3. Nothing notable. The Pirates just aren't very good. Kind of makes sense. The Rays beat the Orioles 12-3. Also the same kind of situation. Then the A's beat the Rangers, 12-3, which again, good team against bad team. But something else really, really interesting about this one is that Brock Holt registered a 30-mile-per-hour pitch as a called strike. The slowest pitch for a called strike of all time in the StatCast era. Very, very interesting. Uh, also, obviously, in case you didn't know, Brock Holt is not a pitcher, although I wouldn't really blame anybody for not knowing a single person on the Rangers roster at this point. Um, but yeah, a position player comes into the game and pitches better than the actual starting pitchers did. Uh, but let's move on to Monday. Only one on this day that was uh, really bad. There were a few six, five, seven run games this day, but two. But the White Sox beat the Twins 11 to one after scoring two, seven runs in the first two innings against the Cubs the day before this. Actually, uh, then on Wednesday, the Red Sox beat the Rays 20 to eight. The the Rays actually scored eight runs on the dot every single game of the series and somehow actually lost a game, which is very surprising. You don't see many teams score 8-8-8, eight, eight, and, eight, and actually lose a single game in that series. Uh, the Brewers beat the Cubs 10 to nothing. So not only did the Cubs get a record set against them by the opposing team's pitcher for the most consecutive strikeouts, but the offense also was relentless for Milwaukee, scoring 10 runs in this game. Uh, just ridiculous. So, <laughs> yikes, Chicago. I mean, this roster is just really, they have a lot of problems at this point. 
Then you have the Blue Jays, who beat the Angels 10-2, the only two runs. You want to guess from where? Shohei Otani, two-run home run. Uh, although he wasn't pitching that night, of course, because he would never give up 10 runs. That's not possible. Um, <laughs> then, on Thursday, the A's woke up and chose violence. They really were not about playing close games this week. Uh, as they go on their seven-game winning streak, this is not a winning streak. This is a dominant winning streak. <laughs> this, Yeah, but it, not even just this game, though. The 12-3 to win earlier in the week, they really aren't messing around right now. They are really trying to win as soon. And by the way... I think they actually haven't lost a game since Ramon Laureano has been suspended. I interrupted you. You didn't get to give the football score. Oh, yeah, but I, I'm just saying they haven't lost a game since Ramon Laureano has been suspended, I'm pretty sure, for PEDs. And by the way, this is the second one of the week. 17 to nothing on only 14 hits, by the way. So they scored more than they actually got hits. I, I mean, I, I don't really... I wasn't watching the game, and obviously, even if I was watching to a certain point, I definitely wouldn't have watched all of the 17 runs come across. But uh, I guess that was just a lot of walks. Uh, and by the way, they committed three errors in the game and gave up no runs. So really a perfect game for them. Very sloppy game for both teams. I mean, one team gave up 17 runs and scored none. The other team had three errors, but at least they scored 17 runs. The Brewers put the nail in the coffin on the Cubs season, I would say, uh, on Thursday. Beating them 17-4 with their ace Kyle Hendricks on the mound. And by the way, a little bit of a funny thing in this game. Manny Pena hit a, hit a grand slam uh, to put the Brewers up 9-1. to one. He gave his batting gloves to a fan through the, through the netting and then got new batting gloves and hit a two-run home run later in the game. Uh, by the way, only his 10th home run on the season. So if you've got a guy who's hitting, who has 10 home runs on the season and two of them are in the same game against your actual, against your ace, you have many, many problems, especially when you also traded away your two, three, four, five, your two, three, four, and five hitters in your lineup too. So they have plenty of issues to deal with. And not to mention, Luis Arias also joined elite company in this game, becoming the 15th player of all time to have five extra base hits in the same game. Uh, just, it's just ridiculous how bad they were. Um, but look, the Cubs just, I mean, good luck. Terrible. Good luck in the rest of the season. Then the Reds hit five home runs and beat the Braves 12 to three which is pretty interesting because the Braves have actually been playing well as of recently, uh, although the pitching in this game I don't think was one of their more prominent starters, so not too worried about this. But lastly, of all teams to have a blowout win, of all the teams you could have picked in the league, what if I told you that the second biggest blowout of the week, or not the second biggest blowout of the week, but definitely the most surprising one, the Arizona Diamondbacks beat the Padres 12-3 to with you, Darvish, on the mound. I mean, I didn't want to spoil this, but now let's go back to the Padres' division talk. How are you going to make up any games when you lose by 9 to the Diamondbacks with your ace on the mound? It, it, it's not possible. And then, by the way, another guy who was supposed to be one of their aces, Blake Snell, has the worst has a worse ERA than by, by over two runs per game than any pitcher on the Dodger on the Dodgers starting staff, including David Price. So I don't know how the how the Padres are gonna get back into this race. Uh Darvish had had a two three something ERA and at this point I think it's all the way up at three point four, I believe, after this outing. And by the way, he also left this outing early with uh, a back injury, which is the second time he's uh had a back is dealing with back injuries this season, although I think this is the first time he exited a game for it, I believe. I think last time he just went on the IL, and now he's back, but he's injured again. 
Joe Musgrove and Yu Darvish are really the only two guys where the Padres can win a game confidently without their offense just absolutely killing <laughs> killing the other team's pitching. And look, that's not sustainable. Uh, but speaking of pitching and guys coming back, Jack Flaherty will make his first start since May, was 8-1 with a 2.90 ERA, easily one of the leading Cy Young candidates heading into the year, one of the major, major, major candidates. Uh, so he will be a very important piece coming back for St. Louis, but it might be too little too late because let's let's be honest, that 11-game lead is not going anywhere in my opinion. Uh, and they had their lead on the Brewers very, very early in the season, but they let it go away. His injury was actually a pretty big part of that. I mean, look, he has eight wins and he has been out for two months. I mean, the major league lead in wins is still 13 or 14, I believe, right now. So he's he's five wins away from having the major league lead, and he hasn't played for two months. That's ridiculous. Um, but it is too little too late. But another news in this division, the Cubs released Jake Arrieta, who was a piece of their World Series winning, uh, their World Series winning team, but then actually left the team, then now came back. But it really is another guy from that championship roster that actually they brought back thinking he'd be a back-end rotation guy, whereas before he was a top guy for them. But bring him back this season hasn't been too great. I'm pretty sure he was pitching in the 17 nothing game, uh, and I guess they treated that as the last straw, and now he's gone. And, uh, I mean, look, it's just another, I mean, who's back? Who Who is still there from that 2016 team? The manager who was a former player at that point, the Ian Happ, uh, maybe the bat boy, I don't even know to be quite honest, and Wilson Contreras, and that's it. That That's literally it that's left of that team, So and Matt Duffy too, but uh, <laughs> I don't know what you're going to do. I, I don't know what the, the Cubs are going to do in the future. We'll have to see. And then the Giants extended Brandon Crawford for two years, $32 million. Uh, I don't know if that would be the, I don't know if that would be his plan on retiring at some point because two years is a very small extension considering what he's been doing. And honestly, 16 million isn't even that much. So the Giants got a bargain. He gets to say what the team he wants. He gets some future stability and uh, maybe not wanting to test the waters too much in free agency, which would make sense because there are a lot of good free agent shortstops this year and even next year too. All right. Well, uh, that wraps up our uh, look at random but sort of important news in the world of sports slash extended baseball talk podcast uh that will end this edition of the fourth and 24 podcast please join us for our next podcast which will be on monday august 16th where we will see the accuracy of patrick's weekend predictions and have our delayed look back at the summer olympics in the meantime please be sure to check out patrick's additional content including his major league baseball power rankings on our website fourth and 24.com that's the number four t-h-a-n-d the number 24.com thank you for listening